0: From the Lean Enterprise Institute in Boston, this is the WLEI podcast, where we share stories of people making the world better through lean thinking and practice. For more information about LEI, please visit lean.org. Hello, and welcome to WLAI, the podcast of the Lean Enterprise Institute. I'm Tom Ehrenfeld, the senior editor here at LEI, How well do lean product and process development principles fuel the growth of new organizations? This question is addressed masterfully by LAI senior advisor, Jim Morgan, who is currently wearing a second hat as the chief operating officer of electronic vehicle manufacturer Rivian. Listen in to his talk from the 2018 Designing the Future Summit.
1: Um, So welcome, Uh, good morning, everybody. Uh, One of the things that I do uh, like about uh, conferences is it gives you a chance to uh, catch up with old friends, uh, to make new friends, to learn more about what's going on uh, in the product and process development world, Uh, new applications that people are um, engaging with, and what they're learning as they go forward, you're able to, uh, to gain from them. Um, and this LPBD initiative has really grown and really changed uh, since we did our original research uh, many years ago. I don't know, Durward, are you here? Durward Sobeck was one of the original researchers and Al Ward and uh, a number of people uh, that started working on this. And it's, it's really grown, it's evolved, and it's become better in many, many ways. Last year, I talked a little bit about that growth. Uh, Both in terms of geographically, I think last year we had, I don't know, 10 or 12 uh, different countries represented at the conference. Um, I don't know what the count is this year. And it's grown across many different industries, Um, aerospace, uh, oil and gas exploration, furniture, automotive, um, appliances, uh, consumer electronics, um, are all applying these principles with great success. Um, We even heard last year from Kendra Laith, who was the Associate Director for the D-Lab at MIT, who shared with us her story about how they're applying these principles uh, to develop products for underserved markets around the world, and how they're literally having this amazing impact on the people that they work with by first... Deeply understanding how to create value and then executing against that deep understanding—it was just—it was an amazing talk. Um, we also heard from our friends at Michigan Medicine about how they're applying these principles to develop new clinical processes. It's very cool. And Paul Pelliani and his team have joined us again this year. They're going to do a breakout center uh, session um, that I think will be awesome. And you get a chance of how get a chance to see how these processes work. Uh, in a very different environment. And we've continued that work this year. Um, Earlier this year, I started to work with Sebastian Fixen, who's Associate Dean at Babson College, about how we can apply these principles, not only to help educate the next generation of developers, but also to create sort of an R&D function, a product development function in academics, right? To try to keep pace with the dramatically changing needs of their customer base, which I would argue uh, generally academics has not done a good job of and so we want to create this sort of R&D function uh, to experiment with new ideas about how to provide services and products to meet not only initial students needs but the lifelong learning needs that we all um, that we all have. Uh, I also recently started to work with a startup an EV startup uh, called Rivian Automotive. How many people have heard of Rivian? Yeah, a lot of people. That's good. They uh, sort of uh, rocketed to fame after a number of years of working in stealth mode. And they're going through a transformation from sort of this skunk work startup to a real car company. And so we're getting the opportunity to apply some of these principles and practices in a very different environment as we work with with a startup. We also last year identified... um, common practices across successful organizations. So irrespective of industry, what were the practices that we saw that made companies successful? And it starts with a deep understanding that people are indeed the most important part of this, right? A people-first attitude where they invest a tremendous amount of energy in the hiring and developing uh, and building of their teams over time. They also work to first understand and then execute, whether it's a new project or whether it's an initiative for the organization. They take the time up front to understand how value is created before they start to execute, and they align around that mission of value creation. They design new value streams instead of products in isolation. They think through each step of the value-creating process so that they can maximize the customer's positive experience. Um, They create a framework for success. So this is this balance between um, enough operating infrastructure to enable the teams to be successful without creating a monstrous bureaucracy that people have to sort of drag around on their backs. And they work hard to do this. They're constantly learning and improving, whether it's their products or whether it's their organizational capability itself. They're never satisfied. They're always looking for that next level. They're always asking about what's the next level that we can get to to improve our performance over time. And they have an effective management system with which to orchestrate all that. This year, I want to talk about a little bit different kind of a growth growth within your own organization, expanding your LPPD efforts to include the entire enterprise, right? To think about LPPD as an enterprise activity and engaging the rest of the organization in this work, and then even expanding those practices to the way you run the rest of the business. And I'd like to just make three simple points this morning with you. First, that LPPD is inherently a cross-functional collaborative activity, right? If you're not working in that way, you will never achieve the maximum value of LPPD. In fact, I would argue that this collaboration is a defining characteristic of LPPD. It's why it matters. LPPD principles and practices working together in this way will result in better products, far better products, because you're engaging your entire enterprise, right? You're getting the input, the creativity, the experience, and the knowledge of the rest of the organization. And that working in this way will also have significant benefits for your organization. Yeah, This collaboration and transparency can extend to other activities in your organization. And as the other speakers uh, talk to you uh, over the next couple of days, I'd like you to consider these three points. So I think you'll see kind of a constant theme about how we engage the enterprise uh, in this work and how important that is. Now I want to start my argument with uh, the idea of creating value, right? Value is something that we talk about a lot in the lean community. It's sort of a first principle, right, of lean. It's creating value, eliminating waste. But what's oftentimes overlooked is it's your product that represents that value. So whether your product is a process, or a service, software, or hardware, that's the value you're creating, right? That's what represents value to your customer. And it's critical to engage the entire organization in understanding what that value represents, right? What it is. And oftentimes, if you don't engage upstream in the development process, what we call Kaizen is really rework. It's fixing stuff that should have been much, much better coming out of the development process. Yeah? Um, Worse than that is that if we do our rework, if we do our Kaizen in isolation, if we do it just within functions, we run the risk of working at cross-purposes, right? One person's value is another person's waste, right? We can get this great cost reduction, not realizing that we're actually stealing value from the customer, right? Without that common understanding. Worse than that, you could be doing all this rework to a product that shouldn't exist to begin with. So uh, we have a solution to that. I feel like an infomercial. We have a solution to that. LPPD aims to create new value streams, right? It intentionally designs each step of the value-creating creation creating process, and we build that right into the development process. We build it in up front during the study phase when cross-functional teams come together under the guidance of the chief engineer to deeply understand what value needs to be. We do it when we create the concept paper, and we outline for everybody to understand how value is created by this particular product. Yeah. And probably most importantly, the principle of compatibility before completion that we apply during the development process itself synchronizes activities so that you can engage with the various stakeholders in this process. So whether it's manufacturing, uh, installation, serviceability, right, whatever portion of this product that helps uh, improve the customer's overall experience, We create integration points, we synchronize the way the work is done so that they mature simultaneously. So you have the right input at the right time uh, during the process and so we have access uh, into this process for everybody in the organization. But as important as this is, this process work is necessary but not sufficient. We need to find ways to engage with the team, right? to create face-to-face communication opportunities. Colocation is a great way to do this, but it's not always physically possible, especially nowadays with distributed engineering. And so one of the ways that we help to enable this partnering and uh, transparency and collaboration is through OBEA stand-ups, right? whether they're daily or weekly, Bringing the cross-functional team, creating a center for the project, right—a home for the project, where the team gets together on a regular cadence uh, to share updates, right, to have debates, to discuss how the project is going forward. Um, One uh, manufacturing engineering manager that I talked to, uh, who you know, very experienced person, said that the first time that she ever really felt like she was part of the team was through this Obeya work, right? She actually had a seat at the table, right? She was able to influence this value creation instead of sort of having this product inflicted on uh, her and her colleagues, right, when they went to manufacture it. And so it's not only uh, a great experience for your product, it's a great experience for your people. Uh, mono teardowns are just how you evaluate your and other products. Uh, in a cross-functional way, right? So you get multiple perspectives on the best way to create value. Or cross-functional Gemba visits, right? Early in the program. Again, the Michigan Medicine folks have started to do this uh, by engaging with their stakeholders, by visiting the place where these processes are carried out by talking to the doctors and the nurses and other people that are important to the process to enroll them in this work, right? Make this work theirs, right? Create some ownership in the way that they work on it. And I would argue that by engaging people in this way, by making the most leveraging their knowledge and creativity and experience, the result will be much, much better products and greater value for your customer. But a funny thing happens when you start working this way, when you start partnering and collaborating, working in a transparent way, sharing information, focusing on value. People actually like to work that way, right? They don't want to go back to the old way, they want to continue to engage this way. And so there's an opportunity to bring these practices to the rest of the business, right? The rest of the activities that you engage in in your organization. And what we found when we do that is it changes people's perspectives. They have a different sense of their role in this bigger mission. They have a shared vision of what value is, yeah? And it fights against this sort of local optimization, this temptation to focus on uh, maximizing Uh, efficiency within your function and think about system optimization, right? How do we all work together to create greater value? Because your perspective has changed. You've created this sort of actionable true north for the organization to move forward with. It's not hard to get started. Just reach out. Lead by example, right? Just reach out to your colleague, talk about how we can work differently. You don't have to call in the consultants. You don't have to have a big initiative. Just think about how you can work better together. Start small, do a pilot, right? Just like a pilot line in manufacturing. Um, How can we do the experiment as Jim Womack is always asking us to do, right? How can we learn? What's the simplest way to go forward? If you're not practicing collaborative development, try to do a pilot on a program, right? Just pick a couple of LPBD principles, uh, like OBEA, like, uh, I don't know, compatibility before completion, and test them on a single project. If you can't do a project, then just do one concurrent development team, one subsystem, one portion of that project, and start learning how to do different, right? Um, If you are already working collaboratively in your development process, Congratulations. But think about how to expand that to the rest of the organization. Right? Can you start a match pair initiative, which Susan will talk more about? Um, can you establish a cross-functional steering team? Can you take the lessons that you're learning from your development teams and apply them to your senior leadership? Right? But the important thing is to do something, to try the experiment to understand that it's not gonna be perfect, right? It's gonna be awkward, it's gonna be clumsy and difficult at first, but commit to PDCAing, right? Continually improving, um, and that has two benefits. The first one, obvious one, is as you work to improve the work, it gets better, right? You get better at it. People start working those muscles and they're used to working in this way. But the other thing is that if you do that as a team, you build ownership of the process, right? The work becomes our work, not something that the OpEx people brought in, not something that some consultant brought in. It's our work. We're working together to improve this over time. And to sustain it, I would argue you need an effective management system. And for those of you who are not familiar with, at least my view of what a management system is, is that a management system equals leadership behaviors, times your operating system. Your operating system is what you do. It's your tools, processes, cadenced events, the meetings you hold, leader standard work. Leadership behaviors is how you do it. And the way those work together is, if you think about OBEA stand-ups, right, the point of that is to create transparency and identify issues early in the process, right? You're trying to create something like a uh, production line where the worker has the lines on the floor. Have you ever been to an assembly plant and seen the lines on the floor, and the worker has standard work that they're executing, and when they get to the 50% line and only 25% of their work is done, they do what? They pull the andon. on, right? They have an abnormal condition, they pull and on. The line doesn't stop, that's the last thing you want the team leader comes over and tries to help fix it within station. Effective management systems, I would argue, do the same thing in much more complex environments, right? It's a way to understand normal from abnormal and to react. And that's what you're trying to do with an Obeya. You're trying to create transparency. You're trying to make invisible work visible. And you're trying to meet and look at it each day to see if you have an abnormal condition. But if you have a great OBEA, but the first time somebody surfaces an issue, they get a wire brushing, right? They get sort of punished for bringing that up. Then you're not gonna get transparency going forward, right? People are gonna clam up. You only have to do that one or two times and you can ruin the whole thing. And so that's why these tools and these behaviors have to match, right, to be effective. And I would argue that the management system is what drives your organization. It's what sets the tone for your culture It's the most important element of maintaining this sort of collaborative environment that we want to set up. And so some companies that are doing the experiment uh, include Schilling, which is our our next uh, speakers. Uh, They definitely believe that it's OK to be red. But if you look at the sort of center, lower picture, they have an interesting way of convincing you it's not OK to stay red. So Schilling started to apply uh, OBEA principles in the development of their Gemini program, right, first one, Uh, and had just excellent results. They brought the cross-functional team together. They were able to collaborate. Um, and it was a, you know, just a great way of working. And it started to catch on in the rest of the organization. And so manufacturing, I think, was the next one to start an OBEA. And it started to grow throughout the organization to the point now where the executive team has an OBEA. So the president and his direct reports have set up a management OBEA for managing the company. Um, and they've uh, set them up sequentially every Monday so that I think they start in PD and then work through manufacturing. And so you can actually progress through these OBEA meetings during the course of the day and get a huge slice of what's happening in the business. Yeah? It also provides a really natural escalation point uh, for our escalation method for surfacing issues right up to the uh, senior leadership team. And uh, while it's relatively early days and they're working through some kinks, um, I think this approach to, uh, to management has a lot of potential. Another area where we're doing the experiment, I mentioned I was working a bit with a company called Rivian. I, uh, about five weeks ago, agreed to take on a role as uh, interim uh, COO, uh, and we're sort of transforming the company from a startup to, uh, to an auto company. And one of the things that we've put into place our uh, concurrent development teams. So, we've actually organized the supply chain folks, manufacturing, and product people around specific vehicle subsystems, right? Um, you know, say underbody or, you know, front end systems. Um, and they actually work together on those systems real time. And it cuts out a lot of, not only does it lead to much higher quality of work because you have a broader understanding. But it's much quicker as well, right? You don't have to send emails back and forth. You don't have to wait for the next meeting. The person you're working with is right there, right? So you can get real-time feedback from all those perspectives. And we've started now to uh, bring those same practices into our weekly operating team meetings. So the senior leaders of the, the company get together once a week, and we're trying to operate in the same way. We're trying to make sort of delivering value the centerpiece of how we do our work. Right and learning from the concurrent development teams. Another experiment we're running, if you look in the what would be your lower left-hand corner, is desert line dancing for team building. <laughs> the results on that are a little more mixed. So as we know, when we engage in product and process development, we're literally creating our future because many of those decisions that you make during that process will impact you for a long time to come. Yeah. What I'm trying to stress today is that's a shared future that you're creating. So why not work on it together? Thank you very much.
0: Thank you, Jim Morgan, for this enlightening talk. For more from Jim and others on the crucial topic of LPPD, please go to lean.org and visit the LPPD section where you'll find a wealth of related resources, including information on the 2020 Designing the Future Summit to be held later this year. And please reach out to us at pod, P-O-D, at lean.org with your comments, questions, and recommendations on ways to improve this podcast. Special thanks to Lori Moniz and Emma Ripp for their work on this podcast. And thank you for listening.